0: Hello and welcome to the Tribute Show, my name is James this is my show today we are going to look at MWA 4 Weeks Ready and we're going to look forward to a week wrestling,
1: Japan Pro Wrestling. We did say we were going to look at the Cyberfight Festival but unfortunately In uh, cyberfight crime, John Dinsdale has been called away for a family affair. So to join me today is Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to discuss the NWA. How are you doing, sir?
2: I'm good. Glad to be back. I know people probably expected me to be on my Gleet fleet, but not this week. Uh,
1: (laughs) No, but we have Gleet coming up.
2: Yeah, a big show coming up uh, next month. Uh, Looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, this uh, we're getting back to the NWA. I think the last time we we covered the uh, Crockett Cup.
1: Yes, Uh, we did.
2: We looked at it. So this is, I think, a good jumping back end point uh, with everything that's transpired and a lot of stuff coming off of the Crockett Cup. So, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, we come all the way from that to a show that's named after a guy that couldn't even be on it. Uh, (laughs) There's some irony here. Uh, with that, but uh, yeah, yeah, it, this was this was a good uh, like I said, jumping back in point to get back in the NWA.
1: It is, it was intriguing because it's like it was obviously based around Matt Cardona and kind of reminded me of flair for the Gold and those old NWA uh, kind of stories based around one wrestler going for the world championship or defending the world championship and um. Yeah, I always thought that was intriguing. I like the way they did it. It harked back to 1980s NWA and the Crockett's and Mid-Atlantic and Georgia. And it's like they do that so well. They have really got the essence of the history of the organization into what they're doing. Um, but the pay-per-view itself was held in Knoxville, Tennessee, the Knoxville Convention Center. Uh, we've got no, it was on Fight TV. Uh, I'd like to thank Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine for allowing me to review it for the magazine. You can find it on the magazine there if you want to look at them. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this show was well attended, Marcus. What's your thoughts on the NWA and where it is before this event, if you see what I mean? Because there's a lot going on in the wrestling world and the NWA sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. But I
2: think they're doing well to stick to what's working for them. Like you said, this was a, you know, well-attended event, I think, like, coming off of the Crockett Cup. It showed a lot of, you know, consistency with stuff. You know, also we're going to get into it, we're not necessarily a fan of everybody that's on this roster. <laughs> they have packed it out with some good names, both with the men's and the women's, and, you know, spassing it out with multiple titles and keeping, you know, uh, getting some interesting champions in there and getting some good beefs and, and feuds going here and there. So I think this show was a good representation that. but I think they would do well. And it's easy to kind of get lost in the show specifically with the last couple of weeks resting his head. Uh, I, don't <laughs> even, I don't even know if I want to be in the conversation right now in terms of because uh, it's all bad. But, um, you know, I think I think they're in a good spot. I think, like you said, um, ironically enough, even though we couldn't be on the show, somebody like Cardona has, you know, done enough, to, I guess, to, to bring some sort of buzz because of all the, you know, the you know, for lack of a better term, notoriety he's brought up for himself with, you know, this new villain character and going around in these promotions and causing, you know, some ha- havoc with that character and pissing people off. So, you know, it, it, I think it did what it needed to do and prolonged a lot of stuff down the road in terms of being around at that, that NWA title and how a lot of hijinks went into getting him the championship in the first place. So I think they're in a the solid spot. Like I said, I think the NWO is all – NWA <laughs> – or NWA – works better when i think they just stick to their guns and don't try to jump in too many other pots because it's a lot of bad stuff being stirred right now
1: yes uh for those of you you will be relieved to know we will mention vincent kennedy mcmahon the once and we'll leave it there that was it just then there's plenty of other podcasts and news groups you can go listen to that stuff usually people come here to avoid talk about wwe so we will avoid it Uh, Having said that, two pretty famous former WWE employees, Aaron Stevens and Trevor Murdoch, opened the show. Aaron Stevens built this as his swan song, and certainly the promo he gave after the match was kind of indicating that he's retiring, but in not such a serious way that you actually believe (laughs) it. And it's interesting that the foreshadowing of Dick Murdoch giving him a right hammering in what was perhaps his final match, it doesn't feel like a final match. It feels like the start of something, not the end of something. But I thoroughly enjoyed this for what it was, which was Aaron Stevens getting a kick. I like Aaron Stevens. I think he's really cool. But I love Trevor Murdoch. And Trevor Murdoch has turned the corner after being a pretty in-your-face baby face for most of his NWA championship run. He kind of... He didn't turn completely heel, but he was angry with Matt Cardano for the way that Matt Cardano took the belt from him. And he was angry with Nick Aldis because Nick Aldis was the first person to get a title shot, despite the fact that Murdoch was owed a title shot as the champion. So it's been an intriguing story that, that weaved for Murdoch, who's not the same wrestler he was before. He was never a happy-go-lucky babyface. He was more in the Dusty Rhodes, um, Dick Murdoch mold of the babyface, where, you know, it, it. not that Dick Murdoch was a brilliant babyface, because, you know, he was a clan member. But um, it, it, that kind of a professional kind of face on what he was trying to do and um, it's an interesting kind of dictomy that you know they've got to this point where Murdoch is kind of a tweener he's kind of diesel in in the mid-90s after Bret Hart beats him for the championship in a very similar storyline in fact which is you know not bad things to pick up on and Aaron Stevens who looks like he's the end of his career but I don't think it is so this was a good story to kick the show off with and gives you plenty of things to think about what's your thoughts on this one Marcus?
2: No, right there with you, Um, you know, in terms of Aaron Stevens, it's it's cool to see him get back to, I guess, uh, some form of that intellectual savior character because I think that's the one that that clicked most with the audience and specifically with his talents. Mm. Uh, Yeah, but, but, you know, to your point, it does feel like more like a beginning of a potential. Another character shift uh, than necessarily an end, kind of getting frustrated and want to take some time off, which will go on to potentially coming back as something else more than an actual end but you never know um that being said the match was fine like you said solid opener it's great seeing trevor murdoch um you know like i said i think you know everything with the nwa is kind of you know geared him towards getting back in the wrestling big time it's been cool to see his transition because i think more so than most people he really adheres to what you know that the whole vibe of the nwa is and uh and and goes for it as we're getting to in the latter part of the show. But I think he really is one of those, you know, it's kind of last of the Mohicans, if you will, last outlaws, if you will, in that, that yeah. NWA uh, mold and style. And it's, it's funny, because they talked on commentary how he was kind of, seemed like he was pissed off all, you know, uh, mean mugging backstage, not really linking up with anybody. And it kind of seemed like it was something off. I'm like, when has that ever not been a thing with him? Like, <laughs> like he's never really been that guy. Like, he, he was smiling, it's kind of come off mean. But uh, obviously, he has every right to be pissed off, like you said, with how the hijinks have gone around him. And this title, obviously, Cardona has come in with an entitlement, and this has always kind of had an entitlement around the title. So, you know, he kind of comes off like the hardworking guy that's, you know, I'm sure both guys will be geared towards saying just lucky to be there. And that's mm-hmm. the last thing that somebody like Murdoch is because he could, he could pummel anybody. So, yeah, but like like you said, a solid, solid out in the opening show.
1: Yeah, definitely. We then moved on to the NWA World Tag Team Championship match. The Hex, Alison Kay, AK-47, and Marty Bell were lost to Pretty Empowered, Ella Envy, and Kenzie Page, thanks to a low bow. Um, at the 8 minute 35 second mark, Envy and Page were local hometown girls in Knoxville and were strong baby faces despite the fact they're heels, which was a little confusing for the crowd at home. But the story isn't that they win the tag team titles so much as everyone thinks Kenzie Page is the backbone of the team and Ella Renvy is along for the ride, uh, which Allison Kay mentioned in the in the pre-match um, interviews and was like, we're more worried about Kenzie Page. Uh, the Hex have had an incredible run with this tag team championship and kind of established the tag team championship as it didn't really exist before. This is a new championship for the NWA. Um, and by defending it all over Europe, the pro wrestling in Pro Wrestling Eve, they defended it across North America, they've won other championships at the same time. They are still one of the most recognizable tag teams on the independent circuit, male or female. Um, and Paige and Envy are kind of the up and comers. And it's glad to see the NWA just isn't relying on big names, they're trying to break people through. In a women's division that's loaded, because this was one of three women's matches on this card. Other promotions, please take note. You don't just have to have one at once. <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> some wrestling promotions are the equivalent to the dentist. They pull them out one at a time uh, when it comes to women's matches. So this was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. sad to see Alison K and will lose the belts, but I think it's a good time for a change and to break some new faces. What do you think of this one, Marcus?
2: Same. It was. It's always cool seeing, you know, the Hex specifically, you know, going back to when NWA was first getting back started up, and, and it was uh, on YouTube um, some years ago now, and those two were, you know, finding their footing, specifically Bell, and then uh, so they made the transition to coming together as a team, and they've been thriving ever since, specifically, you know, as champions. So coming into this match, it very much felt like they always had the edge because while the other team was, you know, like you said, the hometown heroes, you know it it really much came up against a, a level of chemistry that i just don't think they they had and then you, you dive deep into that story because you can see it throughout the match the hex was just far smoother and, and more in sync than the other two were um and then that, that continues to transition into the match to the point where it's just like you know one of the young i mean envy just kind of ended up going in the business for herself you know and and having a do some scrupulous things to, to get the, the tag title, which apparently Paige wouldn't necessarily be a biggest fan of, but as pointed out on commentary, you know, who cares at the end of the day as long as your hand's being raised. So that'll, that'll come into play. And like you said, you hate to see the Hex be knocked off, but this tells a, a, a unique story, um, not only going against the Hex again, but potentially furthering a, a singles bout between the two should pretty and power break up down the line over this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it starts the story. And this show starts at breakneck speed. You've got two big angles coming out of these two matches to start with. And then we move on to Homicide versus PJ Hawks, the NWA's Junior Heavyweight Championship. A title that has been held by some of the most legendary names in the professional wrestling industry and Chase Owens. Um, Homicide <laughs> is your current champion. <laughs> I'm mean, getting quite a with Danny tradition from Thunder Liger. You know, those guys. And Chase Young. Homicide uh, uh, is the current champion. He defeated PJ Hawks, who is a fine young wrestler who I see bright things in the future for. I think this match was kind of there to put a little shine on the young Hawks Jr. Uh, we saw him at the Crockett Cup where he had to go it alone in the second round after his father had been knocked out of their father and son tag team, which you don't see very often. Um... And this was a bit of a mini clinic. It was a nice way to make a young guy look good uh, without hurting your reigning champion who's trying to put some shine on that belt and establish it. And homicide for some would be an odd choice, whereas homicide is kind of like the you know, Swiss army knife for professional wrestlers because he can do everything. And by he'd have his work cut out in this particular evening. Um, he could have a straight up technical wrestling match with PJ Hawks, Put a bit of stiffness in there to make it look really, really good. And this was a solid outing from both of them. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, right there with you, man. Homicide is an absolute stud. Been in the business since, I think, he said on commentary, what, 93? Yeah. Um, and, and it's absolutely, you know, like you said, become a Swiss Almanite. There's nothing a the man can't do, and there's nothing he hasn't done. And he still looks good, and moves good, and just, just has a way about himself that kind of makes him undeniable. Uh, but ultimately, you, uh, this is probably my favorite. To me, the MVP of the show, uh, just mm. because did back to back and what the, what they ended up meaning, and, um, and and as we're gonna get into the second performance. But ultimately, with you know, uh, Hawks look good here, but this this to me was a, a great display of uh, the difference between being battle ready versus battle tested. Yeah, like Hawks was battle ready, but homicide. You know, this man has been through wars. You know, both you know in singles competition and certainly tag teams. So you know, he's ready for the he's ready for the marathon. You know,
1: yeah, that's it. This is where it's all about.
2: Um
1: Yeah, he's it, it, Homicide's great. I think he's just the guy to do this because it's it's kind of like that Danny Hodge position or the Nelson Royal position of the late 1970s of get the young man over, make sure everybody looks cool, but you're still in charge. <laughs> you're still the boss you know and it's it's a hell of a legacy you know I, I do crack on about danny hodge but danny hodge was the supreme professional wrestler you know because he was the supreme amateur wrestler danny hodge didn't get knocked off his feet during his college wrestling career not that he didn't like you know get taken down he never left his feet for 4 years and then meant to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> it's just like Danny Hodges is insane. So when you've got to live up to a reputation of a guy like that, there's only people like Homicide who can even attempt it and make it look believable and good. And that was a really good kind of way of doing about going about it. And then, um, as things go, the Fixers came down to attack PJ Hawks and Homicide. And then uh, PJ Ox's dad, whose name I can never remember, he he came down to help out PJ and Homicide. And eventually the Mortons came down. That's uh, Ricky Morton and his son to to try and calm things down. But, of course, the man behind all of it would be, of course, Colby Carino, who wanted another title shot at Homicide and claimed a title shot that he'd won previously um, in an NWA uh, event where... I can't remember the exact time, but I think it was Velvet Sky's team he was on, and he had to defend the honour of the NWA, and part of it was you got a title shot in whatever division you were in at the time. And yeah. Yeah, so he, got, he claimed his title shot against Homicide after he'd been beaten up by the Fixers and gone 10 minutes with PJ Hawks. And we were given nine minutes and six seconds of the other side of what Homicide does really well, which is have a big grudge match um colby carino is taking on the role of his father in this particular match and the carino family and homicide have been at each other's throats for the last 25 years made a ton of money doing it um so it's worth running again it does kind of smack me of the i remember when i first got the first episode of in first magazine of inside wrestling i got um was a was a match we featured a match between um Ivan, Ivan Bolkot, and no, I'm trying to remember who's the the, NW, the WWE champion, WWF champion. Uh, one of the Russians. What's his name? Oh, Nikita, not Nikita Kolov. Uh the, the second guy who was second NWA heavyweight champion who beat Bruno San Martino. I'll look it up. The list of the WWE champions. Here we go. I'll, be, I'll find it for you in a second. Bloody Rogers. Ivan Koloff, that's the one. Yeah, David Sammartino was feuding with Ivan Koloff to protect the honor of his father, despite the fact Ivan Koloff beat Bruno Sammartino for the WWF title in 1971, and it was 22 years later. And it's like, and one of the com- one of the commentators in the magazine said, "Is David Sammartino going to go beat up for several other old men?" to prove the honour of his father and that kind of reminds me of this it's like I don't mind this so much because homicide can really still go but it's kind of like you kind of hope Collegarino would would plough his own path in another sense but that's part of being a heel I suppose as well it's kind of like being hung up on the failures of your father I suppose I don't know, what do you think Marcus?
2: Yeah, yeah. like I mean you know I dig it, you know His, his dad is definitely a piece of work, but he definitely did
0: live
2: <laughs> in the in the terms of, you know, he'll work, and I think he's, you know, done a good job. And obviously, he has uh, some history, you know, with Homicide going after this title. So, I mean, it was just great. And I, you know, love how he kind of came out there and did it. And, you know, obviously, reminiscent of a cash in, but not so lopsided to where, because Homicide was very much still aware to the point where he threw him in the corner. It was like, we doing this right now? i just see this right now kid like i'm not okay um and and like i said the first about with uh hawks was very much a a style of that 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 you know grappling kind of mat based uh style versus homicides. kind of like you said all-purpose style because you know nothing The guy can't do smash mouth mat. you mm-hmm. know that libre whatever have you and then you know you get here and it's just all piss vinegar and and, and uh ego you know, going back and forth and let's see who can outdo who and uh, come down to it. Like, dude kicked out of a gringo killer. Yeah, yeah. You don't see that. Like, that. that is a, you know, good looking. That's been one of the more protective finishes, as it should be, because it looks brutal. And if you do it wrong, it can be correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's why you have somebody's experience as homicide doing it. Um, But, yeah, it was just a, it was a, just a good bout. You know, uh, these weren't the longest bouts, but they, they were effective. Which you don't necessarily get a lot of time. you know. Like oftentimes, people think that you know they've got to have these thirty-minute classics with you know thirty-two false finishes in order for it to be, you know.
0: Effective.
2: <laughs> this is this will, was effective, you know, on both ends. Like this could end up eventually going into a triple threat or somewhere down the line. I think that'll be really intriguing. But I think Homicide has been doing a phenomenal job with this championship, I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes from there.
1: I agree. I think this is like this is the first settled run I've seen of Homicide where he's been a champion and is really had chance to evolve a run whilst I've been watching him because I didn't watch the early days of Ring of Honor so I never saw him as his Ring of Honor championship run but this feels like something a bit special you know it's not like GCW where he's in, in and out for one-shot deals and there's no long-term feuds it all tends to be dream matches um, and it's not like he's running Impact where it tended to be like in a supporting role this was this is him doing him and it's really really cool to see yeah Next up, we have Natalia Markova with Taryn Terrell versus Daya Valkyrie in 8 minutes and 43 seconds. Taryn Terrell has evolved uh, from becoming a retired wrestler to beco- becoming a mother and then uh, being a born-again Christian and now has found her niche as the most annoying person on earth. Our um, <laughs> manager Natalia Markova, who is an outstanding young talent in the big Amazon-style wrestler kind of category of women. Uh, but there isn't many bigger in the world than Taya Valkyrie. in uh, so this is a really big win for her. Um, and I'm not sure how long Taya's staying in the NWA because she seems to be dipping her foot in several different places. And after today's uh, announcements at TripleMania, we can talk about that in a second, seems to be off to AEW. So what was your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Because it's an odd little match in the middle of things.
2: Yeah, I've, it's been years since I've seen Taryn. So it was great seeing her. Um, so my introduction to Malcova, uh, so cool seeing her. You know, Ty is just dreamy. Um, mm. he's always you great. Uh, unfortunately for me, with this match was about as smooth as close to being smooth as I am close to being a, a Tai Chi fanboy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it was not the smoothest of matches. Obviously, you had Taryn on the outside, you know, playing into the story of it all always a good back and forth, you know, Ty, you know, Ty, you know, always, you know, does what she needs to do, and I think Malcova, you know, is definitely a force, I just think it's a a better match between the two of them that that hopefully they have down the line, but like you said, this was a big win uh, for Cova, and hopefully Ty, you know, it's not just in here for like, a you know, kind of smash and grab, if you will, because you know, it's a lot of good matches she, you know, been going around and having, and still a lot more she can have, so um, not my favorite match tonight, but I'm, I am glad that we got more women on the show, and uh, like like you said, it's good to see Taryn back in wrestling in some form of fashion. Yeah, so, good.
1: Yeah, Tara, Tara Valkyrie uh, made an appearance at Triple Mania. She is the the Reyes champion after all, and she announced that she will be forming a new um, faction in AAA with uh, Pentagon uh Junior and Phoenix, the Lucha Bros. So, essentially, she's like Death Triangle, but she's pack. She <laughs> Yeah, yeah um,
2: Pac yeah. is so interchangeable in that, in that, that faction.
1: <laughs> I just had the idea of, like, Canadian or Geordie. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, she announced that. And in the whole thing, she also challenged uh, your current AEW Women's Champion. Uh, Thunder Rosa who happened to be watching and there was a video camera there to which she replied yeah let's do it so that looks like it's set for AW television at some point down the line but that's another big dream match um, which has potential to be really really good I think as well because their styles will match very very well together so we'll see how that develops um, I'm assuming that was approved by Tony Khan and the the, the pennies we we'll see <laughs>
2: yeah i think i think at this point he's going to be trying to string together as many you know oh my god must see this is what the fans want matches right now strike while the irons Way well everybody's
0: um,
2: mm. looking to be pleased by something that wrestling related so um and also with everything going on with the connection with new japan as well so yeah but i you know I'm, that's good to hear with ty i mean it, it, of everything we see with her over here it feels like she's most comfortable um and Triple A being that reigning champion, mean, she's seemingly synonymous with that title now. She's made herself synonymous with it. So, you know, um, it's, it's cool to hear that. Very interesting combination with her and the and the Lucha Bros. Um, as soon as you said that, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this was something we would eventually got if we, if Lucha Underground was still a thing. But you know, um, mm. uh, you know, uh, like you said, that that is another dimension at this point. So. We're um, gonna be interested in seeing you know where they go with that. Like that's definitely something that'll put people's eyes on AAA, who would otherwise not uh, be interested. So that's cool, to see
1: I think so. I mean, I, it's the the from the lucha people I read and follow, the the knock on AAA at the minute is that they're too involved with AEW in the sense of they seem to want AEW to succeed more than AAA. <laughs> so it's like. Like they're a bit fanboy for AEW, hence the reason why you get Omega holding the championship for 18 months and only defending it once, and Andrade getting so many matches and stuff. And it's there's issues as well. It's not all. It's actually easier for the women's division in AAA to go work in AEW than it is for the men's division because obviously New Japan has a deal with CMLL. And there was a deal that a rumor has it there was a deal that Adriana, Ad, Adriana was supposed to go to New Japan but couldn't because obviously he's in Triple A wrestler, so they couldn't have him because he's, um, you know, CMLL. <laughs> so that forbidden door thing still has a few wrinkles to work out, and the biggest, as ever, is Triple A and CMLL. So there you go, anyway. We'll move on to the the first or the next championship match of the evening. The NWA National Heavyweight Champion, current champion, Jack Stain, defeated Chris Adonis in 10 minutes and 19 seconds. In a match that was straight out of 1986, this was any house show match you would have seen in 1986. It was a basic, simple story about submissions, the babyface trying to tackle, trying to get the champion down with his submission finisher, I've literally seen it a thousand times before, and it was not a bad idea in this match considering the wrestlers that got involved in it. It made perfect sense. This is not going to be a fan wrestling clinic in that sense because it's a basic story to tell, and neither Chris Dane or Jack, Jack Stain or Chris Adonis are like super level wrestlers. They are very good wrestlers who have a very professional outlook and know how to get the absolute best out of the absolute minimum, and this is what this card needed. It was a nice breather it wasn't fantastic, but it did the job. I think. What did you think of this one, Marcus?
2: I feel better about the match when you talk about it like that because to me it got frustrating because I'm, I'm, you know, I like to sometimes employ a logic where it's not necessarily the point with a match mm. like, like you said, because it's like I'm like, dude, you you've gotten beaten down by him before. You know what he brings. You know what he's about, and he yeah. knows you inside and out why would you make yourself that predictable, going for that submission thirty-two times. like come on but like switch it up so um, like you said this is kind of you know like you said straight out of 1986 is what it needed obviously that master lock regardless to you know um how we've seen it you know broken and and switched upon and and uh countered and whatnot and even improved upon by somebody I guess like a Lashley um it is his bread and butter you know um and even though that that's fine that, that makes him very predictable going against somebody like Dane and, and cool Monica, the Dane event. Um, <laughs> like that, the last thing you need to be is predictable. So, like you said, it, it fit with what it, what it needed, but, you know, I just kind of want to see something more elevated for Masters because if he ever hopes to even touch that championship again, he's going to have to switch it up.
1: Yeah, that's that's the I suppose that's the story they're trying to tell. Like he's, he's run out of <laughs> ideas and a guy like Dane, who's been around forever in the NWA, even before the uh, Corgan era, He's a former NWA world's champion. You know, he was he was kind of in the, the previous era um, with Bruce as president. So yeah, it, it's difficult for you to 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 peg him as a long-term bet as the champion. So you kind of got to give Masters something to do with that, but we'll see. And but for this card it seemed right. And it was either going to be that match or this match. Unfortunately, this match was also a bit predictable. Uh well, it was Doors Ditch War. Well, Tom Latimer defeated Sion... 12 minutes and 30 seconds. I mean, it's part of a wider story for both of them. I said in my piece for Steel, for Steel Chair this week, the NWA has gone a long way to rehabilitate Tom Latimer. Whether it was worth it or not is a different question entirely, and that's something I ask myself every time I see Tom Latimer. It's like, was it worth the effort? The answer, I feel, is no. <laughs> but here we are. Um, <laughs> you know, because he's a guy he literally can only get work in the NWA because nobody else wants him. He's too much of You can't book him on a rich wrestling show because people will just not turn up. Um, So he's kind of stuck. And I suppose, you know, as he has friends who work in the office, they want to give him employment. And as a work about hand, he's all right. So Sion, who's in a very similar position, you know, without the accusations of of assault and battery. Um, So, but it's just kind of one of those, if, you know, when companies get accused of using ex-WWE guys because for their name, this is the kind of match that people are talking about. It's kind of the exact ample of this. You don't know that with Sion because he was in WWE developmental for a very short period of time and he's wearing a mask. But you do know that with Tom Latt. So, it, yeah. <laughs> It's all say, uh, Marcus?
2: Oh, yes. The Odyssey of the One formerly known as Bram, the uh, foretold former successor... Uh, alleged success of the man known as the Monster Abyss. Indeed. Uh, those days missed, specifically I would imagine, by Lattimore because the heat wasn't on back then. But, um,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, like you said, this was a foregone conclusion. I mean, he looked great, um, and this was kind of my introduction to sign, but it always felt like a foregone conclusion, even though the match had a lot of – I mean, it, got, it did get to the point where sign was dominating. Um, you, know, you know, Lattimore kind of just came back and dropped him. Um, so yeah, like you said, it, this is really only the only place we'll see him. Like you said, they like him in the back, and obviously, I would imagine he's still best friends with all this, so that I would Helps. imagine, we'll,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, that that also also works in his favor. So, and this is the last we're gonna see him in the night, so you know, he must have did something
1: right. I would think so. Uh, but there we are. Um, as you can tell, this was where the card began to drag, but we had not quite reached rock bottom, however. We will now reach rock bottom. Tyrus successfully oh God, defended his NWA World Television title against Mims in 8 minutes and 37 seconds with an abomination of a professional wrestling match that I you wouldn't watch again if you paid me. It was dire. Marcus, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I would prefer to watch a Tai Chi promo and then match than this. Like Anytime we have to see I feel bad for Mims. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: No, not his and, fault.
2: <laughs> and, I, and this is long before you look at him from an injury perspective with his arm and everything. I just feel bad that he had to be involved in this at all. So, um, like I said, thankfully what came next came next. But this was just, this was completely unnecessary. As is most things involving Tyrus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tyrus, mostly unnecessary. Did you know he appeared on the Piers Morgan TV talk TV show this a uh, couple of weeks ago?
2: I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner.
1: Ah, uh, yes, he did. Um, by the way, the talk TV Piers Morgan Unleashed show has ratings so low the British ratings company can't categorise it anymore. It now is listed as zero ratings,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is not a good look for your television champion, is it? No, but it tracks.
2: <laughs> it tracks the zero rate that is, that, that is most deserving. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. It's just like, yeah, you've gone from Fox News, where at least, you know, the kooks are watching, uh, to Piers Morgan where literally no one is watching. Um Thankfully, that signaled a turn in the pay per view, and things started to pick up again. But this was this was an hour and a half. It was like when you had the first hour that went and went bang, 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 and really kept the momentum going. And then everything went. Ugh. So, like, I don't mind the day the Jacks day and Chris Adonis match. It wasn't great, but at least it, it, you could see the point. And then those two matches were just like, why are you bothering? Just why? This is a four-hour pay per view, and you couldn't think of anything better to do. Um, but yes, and then we finally got to something worth watching. A Commonwealth connection, Doug Williams and Harry Smith defeated bellion Best Year 666, and Mecca Wolf in 13 minutes and 54 seconds in my match of the night. The guys at the Cage Match didn't list it quite so highly, but they still listed it better than in most of the things on this card. This was my kind of match. This was kind of like all Japan in the 90s kind of tag team wrestling. It was like the, the British Bruisers versus uh, Doc and Gordy. This kind of like, you've got one team that's brilliant uh, aerial and tag team offense and you've got another workhorse wrestling tag team this was exceptional uh this is harry smith's second reign of the nwa tag team titles him uh killer elite squad were nwa tag team champions a few years back what was your thoughts on this one marcus
2: yeah i mean i don't know how anybody could could you know watch this match and not like it it's two of the best teams you'll see going um even with a, you know, I guess some would say passes his prime. Doug. I take a pass as prime. Doug Williams over most people. Um, <laughs> man, it's Doug Williams and Harry Smith is an absolute stud. Um, and you could just look at, at beastie at six, 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 and Mecca wolf and, and, and pick them just, just off the looks, you know, let alone, you know, get to, before you get to the skill. we've seen these two go, go, you know, teams battle before. And I said it then I'm like, I'll watch them for another 20 minutes. Um, and I was looking forward to the rematch. We got it here and, uh, we have new champions and, uh, yeah, they they could have they could have actually gave this this match the time they gave the main event. Of course, it was a lot of uh,
1: yeah, yeah
2: more hijinks involved with that, which is understandable. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what you this is what you look for you high quality tag team wrestling and, and hard fought stuff. Um, you, you gotta love it. Only thing yeah. they when they hit that total annihilation, I think with the muscle buster fall about a four fifty. I'm like, man. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't win, but I wouldn't have been mad if they did, because it's like it's nah. a following a muscle buster. Both of those moves are usually KOs by themselves, but you know, I,
1: with those they, they can go uh, PNT tag team champions, which then won in Liverpool the previous Thursday, then flown back to Knoxville on the Friday, and then defend. Yeah, they're 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 just they're just workhorses, aren't they, for everyone they wrestle for?
2: Absolutely, but, it does man, it does that's
1: that's it, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean. Doug Williams, two years ago, was doing his farewell tour just as COVID came to an end, um, was kind of done with the wrestling industry, and now he's back, and he's NWA World Tag Team Champions with Harry Smith. Harry Smith, you know, he had that run with MLW, didn't re-sign with MLW, just went to WWE instead, uh, and didn't make his debut before he was released again. Um, you know, he's kind of... I'm wondering if he's not that interested in New Japan or New Japan feel he's kind of done his stuff there. Because I know that he wasn't keen on the elite guys, if that makes sense, just the, their style of wrestling. I think he personally he got on okay with them, but he just didn't like their style of wrestling because he's more of a shooter and more of like a realistic shoot-style wrestler, New Japan-style wrestler and didn't like the way Omega and the books were working, which is fine, you know, it's personal taste. So I'm wondering if that's the reason why he hasn't gone back to New Japan yet or they just haven't found a slot for him, uh, you know. It's interesting they got tied. It's interesting they got tied um, Takemichi Noko, but they didn't get Harry Smith when he was available. <laughs> it's like eh, there you go. Anyway, but this, yeah, so yeah. So we moved on to the semi-main event of the evening, which was Kailyn King, going up against Camille for the NWA World's Women's Championship, the book, if you will, in 17 minutes and six seconds of an exceptional professional wrestling match. The two biggest women in the division. Equal in strength and equal in wrestling skill. Went and had a barn burner. Can't say anything more. Camille has been always a heel in this promotion, but she's kind of turning the corner into being something a bit more special and as representative of that belt the way Aldis was representative of the NWA championships. And that's kind of where we're at with the company. And I really enjoy this. I think Camille's an excellent ambassador for the NWA. She's not as good as, say... Deanna Perazzo is or Thunder Rosa she's probably better than Britt Baker as an in-ring worker but Britt Baker's a phenomenon of a wrestler and just exceptionally popular she's kind of in that mold of Charlotte Flair and you know she's kind of that way orientated in her wrestling skills and she's very good at what she does and she doesn't waste energy and everything she does mean something and Kylie King was an excellent uh, challenger in the same kind of mold and I just thoroughly enjoyed this match. What's your
2: thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, I don't know exactly where I got this quote from, but I always love it when uh, I hear uh, goes, "It' looking good, baby." That's what this. Is. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what you you know you say when you see this match, man. You know, Camille has come a long way. Uh, I remember when the whole point of her was that she didn't talk, and now yeah. she's, you know she's killing it in the ring and talking. Uh, it's just funny, you, you mentioned the comparison to Charlotte, then you think about six degree separation with Lattimore. That's uh, <laughs> you know.
1: I I didn't occur to me and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: so, but it's you know, uh different strokes. Um yeah, but Camille's come a long way and, and Colin King is killed it. It's my introduction to her and she absolutely nailed it. She kinda reminds me of um not Kaylee Ray, I'm trying to think about who they Tried to rebrand her at uh in 2.0 NXT, uh, apple fire. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Ka- that's Kaylee
1: right. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. Yeah, okay. So um, so many doggone name changes,
1: <laughs> Not
2: necessarily, But yeah, she kind of reminded me of her in that regard, but uh, just that fiery attitude, uh, Molly, similar look, but just, just the skill setting. You need opponents like this to take it to Camille, cause she can very much be you know, she's a powerhouse, you know, stuff she does, she don't do a lot of stuff, but what she does, it impacts and it means a lot, so when you get somebody that that takes her out of her game and, and forces her to be mobile and, and, and move into different spaces, to, you know, to, to win and backs, backs her into a corner where she, you know, really has to fight to retain, you know, it, it makes for a phenomenal match, and like you said, that's what, that's what this was, so, you know, um, definitely, you know, go, go back anybody that's Potentially checking his card out, this is certainly one of the matches you want to see.
1: Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And then the whole thing falls apart. (laughs) Uh, We were treated to a promo from Matt Cardona, along with the Cardona family, as Billy Corgan tried to persuade him to give up the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, as he could not defend it for three to six months, according to doctor's orders. And then we had a promo from Nick Aldis about his relationship with the company and the way that he's put effort in it I fell asleep. And then we had a promo from Tom Latimer, or Camille to start with, them. and this went on for hours. So it seemed like days they were talking, and a lot of it was insider shooty stuff that no one cares about, so it didn't really sit well with the audience. Um, I should say, of course, Bully Rain was on commentary for the previous match because Kylan King and Camille actually were two of his protégés. Um, and he was commentating on this, which never really enhances things in these situations. Um, and then uh, Trevor Murdoch came out and pointed out that he was owed a championship shot from previous matches. You know, as former heavyweight champion, which he never got the chance to win the title back. And then finally, Sam Shaw, who made his deputy debut on the pre-show, came out. And it took forever, and it was really long and boring. And then the match started, and it was a four-way match for the NWA Heavyweight Championship of the World, which was all right, actually. It was pretty good. Um, There was a lot of moving back and forth. It was – people who regularly listen to the show will know I despise multi-person matches in the general, but this one managed to kick off before the bell went, so you were saved from all of the near-fall saves, which is the usual – cash-in trade of this particular type of matchup, which just annoys me because it's always going to end up like that, which makes those matches predictable. But they managed to make this less predictable than it, than it was going to be. And in the end, Trevor Murdoch walks away with the NWA heavyweight championship and then cuts a baby face promo to close out the show, which is a bit weird, <laughs> um, saying no matter what you look like, no matter what shape you're in, you can achieve things that even if you don't think you can, because that's what I set myself set my sights on. So it was a bit of a mixed bag. The actual wrestling itself was not bad, but the presentation was long-winded to say the least. Marcus, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I already had to go through a four-hour show with yeah, Velvet on, Velvet on commentary. I didn't need her, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't need Bully. Like I, I, I left Ring of Honor because he was there, <laughs> like. <laughs> You're like TJP for me. It's like I can't get I can't get rid of this guy. Um, but yeah, that didn't add anything. This anytime all this is is kind of problem. I mean, the guy can talk, but then he tried to, you know, take shots at Cardona, and I'm just like, okay, what are we doing here? Uh, I don't want to see Cardona or his woman, and I don't want to see. <laughs> can we please get down to business? I think the most exciting part about this, besides, is you know the. the person that won was seeing Sam Shaw. You know, he, I think he's a another Swiss Army knife in the industry that, that kind of times gets kind of looked over um, because, you know, he hasn't necessarily uh, consistently found the spot that he probably should be in or a, a program that that logistically work for him, but the guy's an absolute stud and kind of can fit in any scenario and do what he needs to do. Um, obviously, he looks the park and go in the ring, but, you know, has phenomenal character work. Um, and it says a lot when, when you know, as James said, when he compliments a multi-man match. So at least it was a complete throwaway. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, um, you know, you obviously got the, the the story going. You know, guys teaming up against other guys. You know, obviously got the the you know the the history with all this and that and more. But ultimately, it came down to Murdoch's will to perse- persevere and come out on top, and he did. And uh, while it might not necessarily have been necessary, it was cool to hear that. Um, at the end with Murdoch because like I said, the NWA in itself has kind of gotten him back because I don't even know if, you know, he was going to come back for as long as he did initially and now he's kind of come back and he's on top, you know, deservedly. so like I said, I think you look at that roster and you, you pick a guy that, that best represents NWA's ideals but both old and new
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the, his mix of that to me is Murdoch. You know, somebody you can depend on, it's not gonna tarnish your brand, get caught up in any time foolery, um and you know, doesn't really care to look glamorous, he comes there, he's you know, he puts in his you know, however many hours he gets it done and he goes home and comes back to do it all over again. So, you know, that's that's yeah. what you want the champion to be. You know.
1: That's that's where I think and I think as well if you hire back to the beginning of the show, when Aaron Stevens gave his promo. He gave a very un-Aaron Stevens-like promo in saying, talking about the world heavyweight championship and saying, you know, when you love something and dreamed about it all your life as a little kid. And I'm like, hang on, <laughs> you've never talked about the world championship like this before. And you know, Aaron Stevens was always like the entertainer guy, so I'm wondering if that was the point of the opening match. Is this, is this going to be? And I run to get Aaron Stevens to the World's Heavyweight Championship because Murdoch was the catalyst that got him started. And is that going to be like a run for Aaron Stevens at the Heavyweight yeah. Championship? Because I don't disagree with that. I think that's a good idea. Stevens isn't the best wrestler on the roster. Yeah. But that's okay because he's an underdog and you can get him to the World Championship and you can build around him. And it gets Aldis away from the title for a bit longer because he's been champion for five years. You need a fresh face there. And... <laughs> You know, it it's, it breaks up like the monotony because Stevens is Stevens has a lot of goodwill because of you know he's always been the lovable heel even if he's been a heel he's been a comedy heel and he's done it the right way and you know you could sense his disappointment in the promos he was giving. Oh, that's it, I'm done. I can't do this anymore, and I want to go away and do something different with my life. So that to me is instantly like, yeah, he's going for something big. And with Murdoch winning the championship, I'm like, that's the perfect story to tell. i have done this exceptionally well. I don't know if you think that's a, a viable thing to do.
2: No, I'm, I'm glad you, you kind of went through that because his, his after-match promo kind of, you know, kind of came in on the other side and sandwiched it, it in quite well, I think. Was he trained by Killer Kowalski? Yes,
1: he was. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's interesting because he gave, I think, even a more emotional side of that talking about you know sometimes you know you you give a lot in this business and he talked about like you know um obviously he said he's done um but he was going on and saying like this business you know he's been in it for a long time it's giving him uh taking a lot of things from him but it's also giving him a lot and he talked about you know uh wanting to be world champion and even though he can't you know go and, and put it on his mantle and take it to the killer's grave and show him that, you know, look what he did, you know, he can hold solace in the fact that he, you know, got to do it at all, you know? Mm. Uh, so, you know, it was interesting because like you said, again, he's always been a guy that's that's put forth that character work just to entertain. And did what he needed to do in the ring, but most most of the work went to the characters. But this very much came off like we were, you know, hearing from the man behind um, all that stuff. Um, so... If that direction they're going, I think I think it'll work, and I think somebody like Murdoch is the perfect person to you know do that against.
1: Yeah, definitely. For sure. Right then, what did you think of the whole show? And where is the NWA at at the moment, Marcus?
2: Solid show. Solid show. Didn't know when they ended up. They ended up actually doing the show on my on my birthday. That was interesting. <laughs> um,
1: Happy birthday, I, Marcus.
2: Yeah, yeah. Pre- appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think they're in a the solid spot. Like I said, I think they, you know, they're not the couple to be trying to run races with these these other guys who are uh, doing a lot right now. Um, and, and very much in the mix with a lot of things. I think that, like I said, I like their roster, both the women's tag team, even the singles. Like I said, we're not thrilled by everything and everyone on their roster. But um, I, I think they're doing a, a, a solid job to come a long way from where they were, obviously capitalizing, coming off of the Crockett Cup with this show and uh yeah i am very much looking forward to seeing what they do doing where they go and the names that they can bring in because obviously you're looking at you know names like tyer and others uh very much interested i think in the kind of more slowed down more uh grounded pace that the nwa provides where it's not so much about the hoopla around you know uh these buzzworthy matches or doors all these other phrases that's being thrown around just good old-fashioned You know, I want want to come here and fight this person for this belt. And I don't need all the hoopla around. I just want to get to it. So uh, I I like where they are. Obviously, you can always elevate. But for now, I think they're doing a good job of running their own race.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting for sure. Definitely. We'll now move on to preview uh, the AEW Forbidden Door Show, uh, which we've had a lot of matches announces this week. Uh, I'm going to check Wikipedia to see if there's more, because I'm looking at the cage match um, uh, listing for it. Um, uh, and um, there's not as many matches as I thought there was have been announced, so make sure I've got all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, apparently there's an erotic novel called the Forbidden Door as well. Whoops. Um, right, anyway. List of all the interview events. Fallout 2022. Double or nothing, AW Forbidden Door, here we go, right, so let's have a look at this. Um, Announced matches, no, no, it's the same list, okay. (laughs) So, um, we'll start at the bottom and work our way up, which is FTR, Dax Harwood Cash Wheeler of Ring of Honor versus the United Empire, Greater Khan and Jeff Cobb, the IWGP Tag Team Championships. And Ripping advice to Trent Barrett and Rocky Romero in a three-way winner-takes-all tag match for the ROH and IWGP Tag Team Championships. This is going to be interesting. I don't think they'd do it as a three-way. I kind of would have preferred United Empire versus FTR straight up, but I guess this works. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus?
0: No, who would the participants in it? FTR... Gray O'Connor, Jeff Cobb, Trent Barrett and Rocky Romero.
2: That it, that is interesting. Um, wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> I stumped I, you clearly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like you. I kind of would have preferred the, uh, just the straight up and down, you know, because I'm, <laughs> I'm so burnt out from the multi-man tag matches being an Impact fan. I like this just. Let's just keep it, you know, one-on-one with the with the teams. And then obviously the, the take all is interesting. And now I'm looking at the teams. I'm like, okay, who would probably maybe benefit the most with this? Because I think Romero and, and Beretta just kind of recently got back together because Beretta's been in, in AEW. Yeah. Don't think. Um, maybe I can see O'Connor and Cobb because Cobb hasn't really – as Cobb had a, a championship?
0: Has
1: this yeah. been a he's the current IWGP tag team champions. They just beat Chase Owens and Bad Luck Farley for them a couple of weeks ago. And, um, he was a never open weight champion. The last time they were in the U S for a major card, which was at uh, Madison square garden in 2019.
2: Gotcha. So maybe it's was, it, it was, O'Connor thinking that hasn't necessarily had, uh, a lot of gold, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is an interesting one. Like you said, um, It's definitely interesting because you don't usually see New Japan lump the whole winner takes all the thing in with some other titles. Yeah. So that's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do with that. But I would imagine, I guess if I had to potentially favor a team, I think it'll be cool to see uh, Roppongi get another run. You know?
1: Yeah, I think that'd be intriguing. But, I mean Rapingi were a were a, Rapingi uh, vice were a junior heavyweight tag teams. So this is their first heavyweight tag team title match. Yeah. Rocky's always been a junior. So it does strike me as they're the ones likely to get pinned so everyone's protected. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, mm, I could see I could see Rocky getting pinned here because that's what Rocky does these days. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
1: but I'm mm, I'm not I. Mm. I kind of want FTR to win it because I think that would be intriguing. You could have FTR versus GOD, you could have FTR versus Tai Chi and Zach Sabre Jr., you could have FTR, but that gives you so many more matches. You see what I mean?
2: Now that you say that, I hope they do win because I just need them away from the Bucs. <laughs> Get away from the Bucs, please.
1: Yeah, so that's it. And it. But it gives you, see, there you go. If you've got, you know, if they say if FTR go to World Tag League and win World Tag League, and then they can go to the books and say who's the best tag team in the world now. And then you've got another six months down the road, haven't you? So I think I think FDR win I think FDR win it all and they go to World Tag League and try and win that too. Because I think FDR in World Tag League would be amazing. And that'd be really cool. I don't know, we'll see. Anywho, yes. Some of my thoughts on that. All right, next matchup would be Thunder Bros are defending the AEW Women's World Championship against Tony Storm. Who has no affiliation to New Japan Pro Wrestling whatsoever because she works for AEW. But she was, of course, the uh, with her World of Stardom champion, which the New Japan commentators are pushing quite hard. So they're kind of adopting her as, as an honorary Bushy Road wrestler.
2: Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking forward to seeing it because Storm has had you know been needing to do a match like this for a while. Obviously coming off of you know whatever that was in the latter part of her, her run with <laughs> with the E, you know, and both been on a run of want to be nothing but a defending champion. She's been absolutely killing it. Um, I think this got potential to be a bomb run specifically if they give them the time. You know, there's you know qualms, you know Tony can absolutely go. We know what Rosa can do. They could definitely be one of the top matches of the night. Like I said, if they're given the time and they're on any run-ins or, you know, Khan, anybody else isn't obsessed with debuting a bunch of people to do run-ins on the show. So,
1: I don't, yeah. I'm not sure Tony gets the belt yet. I think they aren't done with Thunder Rosa as champion. And if they've got Taylor Valkyrie down the road, then yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think Tony gets the belt eventually, but I don't think she gets it this time.
2: Yeah, Thunder, Thunder's a draw at this point. She's, she's the girl that, yeah. that that you keep there to bring women like Ty and others in two-face. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think that's good.
2: Yeah, so we'll see.
1: <sighs> will Ospreay will defend his IWGP United Separate Championship against Orange Cassidy. As someone said this week, what a horrible idea. The poor, poor, poor Orange Cassidy are, who's a massive star having to wrestle Will Ospreay. What could you do? Um... It's caused some consultation on the internet this week. And to be honest, I don't think Will's particularly in AEW's top books. I'm not sure that they're a fan of him um for various different reasons. But I have the feeling that New Japan would say, you've got to have him. Uh, at which point they'd say, well, what does the least damage? And I would also point out that the IWGP United States Championship has only been defended once by each champion uh ooh, since last year. Because when... um kenta got it he lost it to tanahashi first defense tanahashi then lost it to Sonada, first defense it was vacated Juice robinson got it and he didn't even get to the first defense because he had to vacate it through an appendicitis and then osprey won it so uh, if things are going the way they should do orange cassidy is going to save new japan pro wrestling that's what i'm saying
2: god willing um, he <laughs> was the boost because Orange was one of those guys when the company first started. Uh, when he was breaking out, he was the bee's knees, and now he seems like somebody they throw in front of Osprey, that's not so notable that it'd be like, hey, why did they do that? They was building him up, and then you know, but somebody that could also put on a, a little show with Osprey as well. I think you know Orange, you know, kind of, kind of got mildly off in the shuffle with everything that's been going on in the company. Yeah. Um but you, know, you could, you know. You could turn things on his head in this match, but you know I, I I won't hold my breath for it. But uh, yeah, you know anybody that, that's listening, listen to me and James on last I think talking talking about the last Glee show. We've talked about this tour of history with this poor IWGP US Championship now <laughs> coming New Japan's uh legend title from TNA. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's the curse of the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship has now passed on to the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. But here we are. Next up, the six man tags. Les Sex Gods, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, who are back in the saddle again, will tag with Minoru Suzuki, uh, with Taya Conte, against Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Utah, and Shota Umino. This week described as a tag team Uncle Eddie looking after the kids for the weekend. which I thought was genius yes so there you go Um, the Blackpool Combat Club's benevolent uncle Eddie Kingston is going to look after the boys, Shooter shooter Umino and Wheeler Utah and go give a kick in to Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara and be very polite to Minoru Suzuki
2: (laughs) But that's the draw of the match right there that's standoff because nothing else on Suzuki team matters I'm sorry (laughs) I guess Jer-
0: <laughs>
2: Jericho's is Jericho and at this point his appreciation society is absolutely forgettable um Sammy Guevara has pissed away any goodwill he's had um, <laughs> even if he you know wasn't being an absolute tool um his his relationship is absolutely nauseated most of if not all of the internet so there's that and uh not even minoru could save <laughs> I mean, <it> could- <laughs> Shine up that turret enough to you know, push off that. So, like I said, uh, the narrative about Uncle Kingston looking after the kids and just the the standoff between Kingston and Minoru that's that's the draw for this match.
1: Oh, yeah, I could I could and uh, show room, you know just throwing Haymakers at Chris Jericho, and we were you to trying to break Sammy Guevara in half. That's <laughs> that's basically what you're looking forward to.
2: Haymakers submission grinding and back fist. That's all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, shooter! I, I, so I, I love shooter. I mean, he's awesome. But yeah, just <laughs> big lunk of a dude. Oh dear! Right, next up, uh, possibly other matches because two people were not occupied on this particular show who've talked surreptitiously about things. I won Zack Saber Jr. and Brian Danielson, but it's not been announced yet. I'm wondering, will they pull the trigger on Super Technicos? The techers as you can best as you can possibly imagine it. I want to see that. I think everybody else wants to see that. So we'll see. You know, this is Brian. Dad, <laughs> Brian Danielson did say one of the reasons why he left the WWE was because I can't even win my own wrestling award in the pro wrestling wrestling Observer Awards because I can't wrestle Zack You Jr. to prove I'm better than him. So yeah, this has been brewing for a while. So we'll see. I hope it does though. Uh, The newly created AEW All-Atlantic Championship, which just makes me laugh because, you know, there's got to be a representative from New Japan in this final, which isn't anywhere near the Atlantic. It's on the other side of the world. What were they thinking? Pac, Miro, and Malachi Black, or Enter Obscura versus To Be Announced, which is the New Japan uh, element. It's an odd name for a championship, uh, but here we are. Uh, I don't know who wins this. To be honest with you, I'm kind of thinking Miro because he's a good guy to establish a championship the way he did with the TNT Championship after the Cody one. So I think him. Your thoughts? Yes. Were-
2: they proven they playing nothing. They have proven they not I care to do anything with uh, the bastard. Uh, he's kind of just a forces, man. Packers, we know what Pack you know is and can do, man. But he's he's really kind of just been middling. Um, Malachi Black is great. Um, I think there's a lot more they could be doing with him, uh, certainly with him and his faction, specifically now that you got the the Blackpool Fight Club doing anything, thing, a combat club. Uh, I think that'll be a great clash down the line. Um, and Miro, I mean, Miro just has a lot of momentum. A lot of people just want Miro back with that, that TNT championship
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, or just to see him, period. And I also think he has a lot of momentum. Uh, like I said, on this side, I think he went to went off to go do some acting. Um, and it's been interesting seeing this transition since, you know, coming to AEW. So, there's that. And we all know uh, TBD is a ferocious opponent. <laughs> <know>? <laughs> so, this is going to be an interesting forward way to say the least. But the whole All-Atlantic Championship, I didn't see uh, coming. But, you know, they, you know this is AEW. They kind of just, you know, don't what they want to do at this point. So, you know, they... uh Something else for guys like Pike and Miro and, and guys that they, I guess, in their mind should be doing more with, but aren't. they like, we can put the championship on them and it'll feel like we are, you know. Um, so, um, like you said, the New Japan element is interesting to me. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw my boy in there and be like, hey, Goto's not doing that. Ah, uh, <laughs> well,
1: I found who the qualifiers are. That happens tomorrow on uh, new japan road which will be on the new japan world and semi-final one is tommy akahoma versus clark connors well clark connors is winning that
0: uh, <laughs> gotcha
1: i'm saying and yeah. the other opponent uh, the other pairing is Toma Hiroishi versus yoshiro Kanemura. i'm watching that even if i don't watch the other rest of the card <laughs> I'm watching them too because Kanemura's full court press over the last month has been spectacular. I'm going to try and win the match within four minutes and die try or die trying. I mean, she's just the guy to try that against because that could be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to see literally the irresistible force meeting the immovable object and see what happens because that's the absolute level living definition of that. So the winner of those two face each other and then they go up against. Pac, Miro, and uh, Penta Oscura. So there you go. Uh, Where are we? Uh, The main event of the evening will be John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW World's Heavyweight Championship. What's your thoughts on that one, Marcus?
2: Hey, we talked about it. You know, obviously that could have went another way. Uh, Like I said, I think... uh... You know, John and 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 Goto would have been been a more intriguing match, but this is all about draws and forbidden doors and all the, you know, the concept around that uh, spectacle. With all and John, Mo- you know, Moxley, Mar- Tanahashi is the bigger uh, draw. So, um, yeah, I, I think Moxley might end up pulling it out. You know, at this point, Tanahashi can't really look bad in the loss. The man's done everything. He's an absolute legend. Um, and I can't see, you know, the company putting the interim on, uh, you know, new to Pantana right now, you know, so, you know,
1: I'm in two minds just because Mox is the obvious thing to do. Yeah. And that isn't necessarily the right thing to do because if you've got a punk coming back, punk versus Moxley is a massive draw. Yeah, and you want to save that, break glass in case of emergency and do it right. Whereas Tanahashi versus Punk was already announced for this show anyway. So why not have that as your first match back for Punk to unify the championships and then have Moxley chase Punk? And you've got Moxley versus Tanahashi because they've been trying to wrestle each other literally for three years. So yeah. I, I kind of... I kind of... Um, I, I would say the obvious thing is for Moxley to win the championship, yes. Yeah. But Tanahashi winning the championship offers more options as far as I'm concerned. And it's been done before. You know, Jumbo Saruta did it in the AWA in the early 80s. He had a six-month reign with the AWA championship, I think. I can't remember yeah. exactly. I'll look it up for you there. Um, you uh, you have the... Um, Dragon Fujinami versus Ric Flair match in 92, where Fujinami didn't win the championship, but there was a squib finish, which essentially meant he was NWA World's Heavyweight Champion and Flair was WCW World's Heavyweight Champion. So you can yeah. have
2: that mix. Yeah, I feel like this is a question every time we, we talk about him, but because I know he's never 100%, but what percentage are we looking at in terms of health-wise with Tadahashi right now? He's going
1: to be as good as he can be at the minute. He's That's not had a big feud since Kenter. Uh, yeah, the big four-way match at, at, um, on the uh, New Japan Strong pay-per-view a couple of weeks ago. That was a big match. He's... I, I think he can go. I think he would... Him and Moxley, he just a way, find a way of making it work, because he always finds a way of making it work, and Moxley's the kind of guy who can go with him. He's grown all enough wrestling skills to make it work. Yeah, Jumbo Saruta was champion, AWA champion, for two months in 1984. He lost it to Rick Martel. Um, hell, even Otto Vance was AWA World Heavyweight Champion, so you can have outsiders win it to give it some lineage and stuff, and I think it also, it's it's Tanahashi, if he wins that championship, look at the lineage he brings to the AWA and the respect for the championship. There's things there that I like about Tanahashi as champion, um, and I think it just puts a wrinkle into things.
2: Yeah, I, I think, I guess my hesitation with uh, that is just looking back at this stinginess when it came to Omega, and then we'll it. So, and, but maybe, you know, with everything that's going on, like I said, Khan want to strike while the iron's hot because everybody's eyes on this now because obviously over yonder, <laughs> you know, it's it's smoking right now. So, oh, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. So if, if you, you go, you know, yeah, capitalize right. on that momentum and switch things up. You put it on to Hodge and people are like, oh, snap, well, you know, where's this going? But logically, it will go in a direction like you said because if you don't want to strip Punk of the title, which would, you know, normally be the, you know, the natural thing to do. You want to keep them on and have an interim. You can safely do that um, and transition to Tanahashi Hashi and actually get more forbidden door matches out of that, because I think mm-hmm. it's a good setup. You had Daniel going against Suzuki, and we saw how good that was. I think you continue that and have Daniel being the guy that these New Japan uh, pillars, if you will, come in mm-hmm. and go. You know, I think so. I think you do something like that. And obviously, I don't know how long it's going to take Punk to get back, you know, to 100%. But I think you could do something like that um, and, and get a get a lot more mileage out of it. But again, like I said, it's going to come down to what they want to do. Do you go with the obvious thing and keep it safe? Or do you, you know, continue to maybe extend this New Japan relationship with some goodwill by putting the world title on somebody who is the champion in every form of the word? So, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could carry that title. All I right, can't probably in English particularly well but why do you need to you know he's he just (laughs) it's just like let the matches do the talking let the story do the talking you know he's a natural born babyface and when he needs to be a heel he could be a heel you know me and john reviewed um the noah great Voyage show from 2005 and he was wrestling for the global honor crown in front of a noah crowd Packed house at the Tokyo Dome, 65,000 people, and they did not like him.
2: <laughs> love, and, man.
1: and you watch, and you click, and you see him click. I'm all right, how do I get this to work? And he figured it out, and they loved it. It was an outstanding match. You know, okay. it was, Yeah. you know, it's just make it work. You know, that's, yeah. that's what he can do better than anyone else. You can say he's formulate, you can say his matches are always out with the same moves. Doesn't matter because you're always on the edge you see. So yeah.
2: I mean and look, I'm about to call a new phrase here. Uh, this is not official, but all the the, the uh longtime true pinions will know uh, <laughs> that you know, Tanahashi's Hashi's had 'cause better promos than most guys in the business <laughs> by itself. Yeah. Uh, and- and in a company that's had, you know, some uh, scuttlebutt, if you will, with, a, you know, one of its alleged best talkers in MJF, I know I guess on the opposite side of that, the sour grapes of it all behind what happened with the acclaimed. Having somebody that can't, that won't actually be able to get on the mic and and and, and cut a length of promo might be an improvement. <laughs> between, you know, between that stuff. Like I said, Tana Ashi is a, you know, an absolute stud, man. You see him, the guy, you know, looks like a million bucks. And when he steps in that ring, he always puts on a five-star, even when he's the furthest thing from 100%, which is better. Like I said, Tanahashi at 50% is better than most dudes at 100. So Exactly.
1: That's it. I think that's the key thing is just like, you know, because people have asked why didn't Tanahashi versus Muxley happen before, and the reason why is because Tony Khan wouldn't let it happen. You know, New Japan were not allowed. They could have Moxley so long as he didn't wrestle Tanahashi, because that I want that, you know, and that that's that he admitted that this week that he wanted that match to happen in AEW because he, he sees a vision for it, and this is the match that they're going to have now. And it's came come a bit sooner than they expected. But I just get the feeling it would be cool to have Tanahashi as champion. You get people talking. And he doesn't have to be champion for long, maybe two or three months. Maybe he drops it to Danielson or he drops it to Moxley down the road. You know, but it would be cool and it would put a name on that belt to give it some luster, which would be, you know, because you've got not got a punk there now. So, yeah, I think... I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did, which is what makes wrestling great. You know, it's like Bret Hart said about his match with David Boy Smith at SummerSlam. The reason why it was the main event was because... No one could have as good a match as we were going to have. We'd steal the show. And secondly, nobody knew who's going to win because it was Davey's hometown match and I was a dominant champion. So people didn't know. And that's what made it great. And that's what I think they're trying to do with this. People don't know who's going to win and that's what makes it an attraction. Anyway. We shall see. But that wraps us up for today. Thank you very much for listening to The Troopini Show with me, James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. Where can we find you, Marcus?
2: Yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at ParadoxKid, P a r e d o x k i d. Come uh, hit me up, always down the chat.
1: There we go. You can find The Troopany Show at Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook on The Troopany Show and on Patreon, The Troopany Show, where you keep us free forever for everyone. Please do come join us there and support us to help pay for our soundcloud bills that would be lovely we'd appreciate it <laughs> take care and we'll see you next week bye